It's Friday, October the 29th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden presents pared down plans and Facebook goes meta. First, the world in brief. Joe Biden unveiled a, quote, framework for a $1.75 trillion social spending bill, whittled down from his initial $3.5 trillion proposal. The largest outlay of $555 billion will go towards clean energy investments. Much of the rest will be spent on childcare, healthcare for the poor and the elderly, and affordable housing. Paid family leave and free two-year college got the axe. The House of Representatives is to vote Thursday on a complimentary bill that includes $550 billion in new infrastructure spending. It has already passed the Senate. Facebook rebranded itself as Meta to reflect its offerings beyond its namesake social media platform and, in particular, its investment in building the, quote, Metaverse, a networked virtual reality. The name change comes as the firm faces a public relations crisis and pressure from lawmakers over its handling of misinformation and content harmful to teenage girls. Supply chain disruptions hit both Amazon and Apple in the third quarter, as both tech giants reported revenues below Wall Street's expectations. Amazon's chief executive, Andy Jassy, who took over from Jeff Bezos in July, said he expects costs to continue to rise as his company expands its e-commerce logistics network and covers worker shortages during the holiday season. Russia imposed an 11-day partial lockdown on Moscow, its capital, as COVID-19 infections and deaths broke new records. Nearly 1,200 Russians died within 24 hours. Vladimir Putin expressed frustration that his countrymen have dragged their feet when it comes to taking the Sputnik V vaccine, which has been available for nearly a year. Only a third are fully vaccinated. America's economy grew at an annual rate of 2% in the third quarter, down from 6.7% in the second quarter, marking the weakest quarterly GDP growth since the pandemic-induced recession last year. Consumer spending rose by 1.6% on an annualised basis, down from 12% in the prior quarter. A resurgence of COVID-19 infections and supply chain bottlenecks bit as the economy recovers. Some 12 European nations urged Israel to reconsider plans to build more than 3,000 settler homes in the Palestinian West Bank. Israel had announced its intentions on Wednesday. America, Israel's closest ally, also opposes the expansion of settlements, which it said was, quote, completely inconsistent with efforts to lower tensions between Israel and the occupied territories. Police in Uttar Pradesh, India's most populous state, jailed at least five people for supporting the wrong cricket team. Three of the arrested were Kashmiri students who were charged with, quote, promoting enmity and cyber-terrorism for cheering Pakistan's defeat of India in the T20 World Cup. Uttar Pradesh's chief minister said anyone who celebrates the Pakistani victory can be charged with sedition. And fact of the day, $200 billion. The amount of money that taxing capital gains at death could raise in America over a decade. 
And now, here's today's agenda. Roman Holiday Biden and the Pope Many of America's Catholic bishops will be thrilled to watch Joe Biden meet Pope Francis at the Vatican on Friday. But not all will have love in their hearts. The most conservative among them believe Mr Biden, a practising Catholic, is wrong on the issue they consider most important, abortion. They want pro-choice politicians to be denied communion. Many of them disapprove of Pope Francis too. Though he frequently describes abortion as, quote, murder, they would like him to talk about it more often. On politicians and abortion, he has said priests should, quote, be pastors and not go condemning. For most lay American Catholics, however, the sight of the second Catholic president, after John Kennedy, meeting the Pope, will be an uncomplicated pleasure. The White House says the two will talk about problems, including, quote, ending the COVID-19 pandemic, tackling the climate crisis and caring for the poor. No contest. Japan's election. The Liberal Democratic Party has ruled Japan since its founding in 1955, save for two brief periods in 1993 to 1994 and 2009 to 2012. Its reign seems sure to continue after voters head to the polls on Sunday in nationwide elections for Japan's lower house, the Diet. The vote takes place less than a month after the LDP replaced Sugo Yoshihide, whose popularity as Prime Minister had waned because of his poor handling of COVID-19. Kishida Fumio, the new leader, was not the public's first preference, but is inoffensive. The LDP's strategy appears to be working. Most projections suggest it will maintain a majority in the chamber. There is little chance that the party will lose power, even if it loses its majority. It rules in coalition with Kometo, a Buddhist-linked party, which holds another 29 seats. The LDP's strength reflects the weakness of Japan's opposition, which has struggled to gain traction since its last stint in office. Three-line agenda. Europe's economy. How much will surging energy prices drive up the Eurozone's inflation? Economists expect the Consumer Price Index for October, released on Friday, to show year-on-year inflation of 3.7%. Both Germany's and Spain's data, published earlier this week, showed higher price rises than forecast. Monetary policymakers at the European Central Bank discussed, quote, inflation, inflation, inflation at their meeting on Thursday, according to Christine Lagarde, the bank's president. Like other central banks, the ECB expects price rises to subside swiftly. On Friday, statisticians will also reveal how much the economies of France, Germany and Italy grew in the third quarter of the year. The immediate outlook has darkened in recent weeks as the world economy continues to struggle with bottlenecks. But some investors are bullish about growth over the coming years. Looser fiscal policy in Germany and spending by the EU's quote next generation investment fund should keep the euro area from stagnating as it did after the global financial crisis so long as inflation falls. 
Still Contagious COVID-19 Jab Efficacy Fully vaccinated people with breakthrough COVID-19 infections were as contagious as unvaccinated people, a British study published on Thursday found. Infections cleared faster in those who had been vaccinated, but their peak viral load was similar to the unvaccinated. The vaccinated and unvaccinated, therefore, infected a similar share of household members. What made a difference, however, was whether those household contacts had been vaccinated themselves. About 25% of vaccinated contacts tested positive, compared with 38% of unvaccinated contacts. One reason for the disheartening result is the waning efficacy of COVID-19 jabs against infection. Data from the household contacts suggested protection weakened within three months of a second dose. This means that people who are particularly vulnerable to severe COVID might need a booster shot earlier than the prevailing six-month cutoff. Masks, ventilation and social distancing may be necessary at times, even in places such as Britain with high vaccination rates. Footnotes How to Stop Global Warming There has never been a collective human endeavour more ambitious than stabilising the climate. In anticipation of COP26, a pivotal UN climate summit, our journalists assess what it will take to keep global warming well below 2 degrees Celsius, a goal agreed on in Paris six years ago. In our latest special report, Catherine Brahick, the Economist's Environment Editor, wrote about negative emissions, the outcome of practices that remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. One way of doing this is using technology. A paper in Juul, a journal, describes a method of CO2 removal called carbon engineering, including pricing and cost analysis. Planting trees and restoring ecosystems is another way of soaking up carbon dioxide. A recent article in Nature, a journal, explains the obstacles to their becoming practically achievable and playing a role in policy. Nature-based solutions, such as restoring millions of hectares of ecosystems, can mitigate rising global temperatures, but only if implemented quickly. Earlier this year, Microsoft declared its ambition to remove 1.3 million tonnes of carbon dioxide from its output, equivalent to about 11% of its annual emissions, and later published a review of its process. Carbon removal isn't always feasible, mostly because of cost. Ryan Avent, a senior editor at The Economist, wrote about how energy choices during the Industrial Revolution shaped economies. In Fossil Capital, a book published in 2015, Andreas Malm of Lund University in Sweden argues that centuries of structural intimacy between fossil fuels and capitalism mean that you cannot abolish the former without destroying the latter. This tension colours sustainability negotiations. For more analysis during COP26 and beyond, bookmark our Climate Hub and listen to the latest episode of To a Lesser Degree, our climate podcast co-hosted by Catherine. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Sir Walter Raleigh, who died on this day in 1618. Whosoever commands the sea, commands the trade. 
That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 